Thanks for joining the Church at Nolensville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to the Church at Nolensville. We're so glad that you're here. Again, if you're a guest, my name is Wade Owens. I'm the campus and teaching pastor, and we're delighted that you're with us today. And next week, next Sunday, is actually our grand opening Sunday, and we can't wait to continue to see all that God is going to do in and through our church. If you don't know, this church started just about two years ago with 28 families. 28 families that said, hey, I believe God wants to do something big and profound and miraculous in Nolensville. And they came together, 28 families, and said, I believe God's up to something and I want to be a part of it. And now you're here today and you get to be a part of the next phase, the next great adventure for the church at Nolensville. And we're excited about grand opening. In fact, today when you leave here, we're going to give you cards to invite others that are around you, those that you work, uh, those that you live around, your neighbors, your friends, invite them to come back next week. Go on our social media play, uh, page, Church at Nolensville, and share it into your neighborhood pages. Uh, share it with your friends. We want to get as many people here next week as we can. And listen, not just to pack the place out. We're not trying to gather numbers for numbers' sakes, but every name that is here is a soul that God cares about. Every person that walks through this door is a person that God longs to see grafted into his purposes and his plans. And every person that enters this room is someone that can understand they have a new destiny and purpose in Jesus Christ. So invite them today. Invite. Invite them back next week and let's see what happens. I hope there's so many people here next week that we're talking about a third service almost immediately. Amen? That's what we're praying for. Speaking of invitations... I want to invite you to uh, enter into your memory for a little bit, dig deep into your memory with me for just a moment, and I want to see if you can finish some of these uh, popular statements. Uh, we'll, we'll begin it. We'll see if you can end it. Let's put the first one up here. I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say. First service didn't do well at all. Good job. Let's go to our next one here. Bubblegum, bubblegum, in a dish. How many? Two for two. Y'all are doing good. Number three. Rain, rain, go away. Man. Number four. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words are very powerful. There's these little phrases that we've learned or said, and they stick in our mind, and they stick in our head. I don't know when the last time you heard any of those mentioned, but I bet it's been years, but you can still repeat them. It's because words are powerful. They're, they're really important. They can shape our minds. They can shape our emotions. Words can change our day. They can change the way that we feel. Uh, in marriage, show of hands, how many of y'all are married? Single people? Look around. That's what you're working with. But if you're married, words can make you want to hold hands and cuddle, or words can make you have heated fellowship. Words are incredibly important. And here's what I want you to do. As we begin thinking about the power of words today, I want you to write this down. Everyone write this down. Every season is shaped by what you say. Every season is shaped by what you say. Let's go at it this way. Let me ask you a question. Is anyone in this room completely in control of your calendar, no matter what, that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want? You can just dictate your schedule completely. Is anyone in here like that? 
I'm not. I have things that I have to do. I have to get done. There are things that interrupt my schedule. And I can't always control what's in front of me. I rarely get to completely control my calendar. But I can always control what I say about what's in front of me. Because words matter. Words matter. And what you say about what's happening in your life quite often separates those who walk in joy and the purposes that Christ has for them and those who seem frustrated constantly by their season of life. And your season of life will quite often take on the characteristics of what you say. For instance, as you reflect back on the Christmas season, and man, for me, it was a blur. I woke up yesterday, I didn't even know what day it was. Is this Saturday? I mean, it's tomorrow, Sunday. I mean, I got to preach. I got to get something ready. But it's a busy season. And you think, man, you've got Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas season. You got your in-laws coming in town. You got two to three places to go on Christmas Day. You've got gifts to buy, gifts to wrap. And then some of you, you're procrastinators and you go to Amazon two days before and you go to order that gift and you realize it's no longer on Prime anymore because Amazon has taught us to procrastinate and then it fails us. And then you look back at the last season we just went through, and instead of soaking up all the good that happened, we talk about it in a way of, man, I'm just worn out. Because words, it it, it shapes our lives and it shapes our memories because words matter. Words matter. Words help focus our hearts. Words help focus our mind. And I get that life's busy. I've been in seasons that are so busy, I'm not sure how I did it. I was in full-time ministry, married, raising three kids, earning my Master's of Divinity. And and I could never control my season, but I could always control what I said about my season. And I realized, hey, I'm not going to say I'm maxed out. I realized, hey, I'm going to say my life is full. I'm not going to say, hey, these kids are driving me crazy. I'm going to say, praise God, he's entrusted three amazing children to, to me and my wife. We're supposed to be a little bit busy. We're supposed to be a little bit overwhelmed. It allows us to tap into God's strength and not our own. And words are powerful. And you can absolutely label your life by the words you choose to say. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is that true, yes or no? It's not true at all. Words are powerful. I've broken bones and have healed and, in fact, have become stronger. But I've had people say things to me that I carry with me today because words are powerful. Some people are in counseling years later because of what was spoken over them, how they were labeled because words stick and words hurt. And words can also then speak hope into your life and truth into your life. And and listen, here's here's what I want to say to you because this is my introduction. If... If words are absolutely that powerful and can impact the season of our life and can change our hopes and can change our dreams, if they can label us, if a family member can put a label on you that you carry, if a friend or a coworker can put a label on you, if the enemy has the power of words that can label you, how about allowing God's word, the one true living God, creator, sustainer of everything, the one who spoke the heavens into existence, How about allowing his words identify and shape and inform who we are? How about letting his words define our season? And as we get ready to step into 2020, the gift that I want to give to you is what God's word says about you if you're a follower of Jesus. Because quite often, 
our identity. It's, it's shaped by the person who speaks the loudest into our life. The loudest voice in our life often defines how we view ourselves, and I want God's word to be that voice in your life. So I want you to turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. I strongly encourage you to bring a Bible. Uh, We put it up on the screens to make it easy for some of you to read. We'll highlight some words to really make it jump out, but bring a Bible, bring something to write on, bring something to write with, because here at the church at Knowlesville, we're going to put you into God's word and not my words. I preach from the CSB version here if you're looking for a new Bible, but bring a Bible either on your phone or a hard copy. I want you to have a copy of God's word. And in 1 Peter, you have Peter, one of the original apostles, who's, who's writing to a church that's been persecuted, that's been beat up, that's been a little bit abused. And Peter's going to write to them and remind them of how God views them and how God sees them. And he says, hey, I, I don't want you to care about what the world says about you. I don't want you to care about what others say about you. In fact, you need to ignore some of the things that you're saying to yourself because this is what God says about you. This is what God says is true about you. This is your new identity and this new identity transcends everything and it it defines you in ways that nothing else can. And so what Peter's gonna do in chapter two is he's gonna give us an identity that should have more weight on our lives than anything else. So we're going to look at it today. We're going to slow walk it, and I pray God uses it to minister to your soul. So God, today, would you do what only you can do through the preaching of your word? Would you equip us with open hearts? Would you teach us through your spirit? Would you save those that need to be rescued? And would you remind those of us who belong to you just uh, how clearly your word says your love and your pursuit and your patience and your grace is for us. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And the church said? All right, so we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll look at the first part of verse 9. Let's put it up here. He says, you, this is Peter writing to the church. He says, God's words through the apostle Peter, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. That's God, for God's own possession. This is what Peter says is your new identity to the church and to you now, the church at Nolensville, if you're a follower of Jesus. This is who you are. These are the words that should matter in your life. And when we read these verses, do you know what this means? This means that God handpicked you. This means that God chose you. This means that God chose to love you. And love is a choice. Did you know that? Married people, amen, love is a choice. Those of you that are dating, engaged, like, no, it's not. It's just because he's so awesome and it's so easy. No. (laughs) Love is a choice. Love is a choice that you have to make. And God chose to love you. And God's love is different than every other love on the planet. God's love is separated from every other love that you've ever experienced. And I have no doubt that your mama and your grandma and your great-grandmama love you. I have three kids and I think they're great. But God's love is different because it is eternal. Ephesians says that God set his love on you before the foundations of the world. Which means, look right at me, God loved you before you were you. God's love, God's picking, God's choosing of you wasn't based on your past, your present, or your future because he loved you before you had one. 
So you, you didn't earn it? Look at me. And you couldn't lose it. Oh, look at me. God chose to love you before you were you. It sets his love apart from every other love on the planet. And some of you, you've only ever experienced a works-based love. You gotta act a certain way. You gotta dress a certain way, earn a certain amount of money, make certain grades, do really well in sports. Then you get love. Then you get affirmation. Then your dad's love or your mom's love comes to you. That's not true with God. God's eternal love is different from everyone else's love because he loved you before you were you. You couldn't earn it and you can never lose it because God's love is different. He says you're chosen. And listen, if you're in Jesus Christ this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, as you step into 2020, regardless of what 2019 was like, maybe you had the best year, you had the worst year, Whatever, you're never going to be more loved than you are in this moment right now. And not because of how well you did or how poorly you did, where you sit right now, you'll never be more loved because you have a God who chose to love you and his love isn't based on you. It's based on his character, his nature, the death of his son. So just breathe. If you're a follower of Jesus, God wants to remind you of your identity, chosen, holy nation, royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. And for those of you who are dads in the room this morning, I just want to speak to you just outside of the Bible for a minute, just person to person practically. I had dad growing up. My parents were divorced. My dad was an alcoholic, and I desperately looked for his approval and his blessing and his favor. He came to Jesus much later in life than the man that I knew the last 10 years of his life was not the man I grew up with. But dads, you have the power to give your kids a vision of who God is early on. You're one of the first impressions that they'll have of what God is like in your home, of what unending love is, of what unfailing love is like, of what it means to be shepherded and protected. And listen, if they're still in your home, it's not too late. And for those of you that grew up with a dad and he wasn't that kind of dad or it was broken or like my dad, it was alcoholic or there was divorce. Listen, there is a father who never fails. And so dads lean into that, own that responsibility. And for others in this room, if you didn't have that, then look to the one that provides what only he can. Amen. So let's go back through now some of this. And I want to slow walk a little bit of these words. And I want to take a deeper dive. Let's go down to another depth in some of these words. And let's go back through what these uh, verses say. He says, but first, you are a what? What's the first word? Chosen race. Now, Peter, he's writing to and referring to the nation of Israel. They were a group of people that God had selected, that God had chosen to be his, to be set apart, that they would love him and serve him forever, and ultimately that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come through them. You're a holy nation. You're a chosen people. But the nation of Israel said, hey, we don't want your Messiah. We don't need your carpenter. And God took the message of Jesus beyond the Israelites. It was always his plan. They rejected him, and he went on to the Gentiles. So if you're not a Jewish person in the room this morning, you're a Gentile, along with the rest of us. And God has extended that message of hope and salvation and uh, uh, sonship and daughtership to those outside of Israel, to the Gentiles, us. And he says, hey, you too are now 
chosen. Just like Israel was called to love and know and serve God, so have we been as well. And we have been chosen by God. And that's what he's saying here. You've been chosen, set apart by God. Look at the next one here. A royal priesthood. Now, this is interesting because ancient kings had a very special set of priests. These priests, they were set apart, they were unique, they were distinct, and they had direct access to the king. They served in the presence of the king. They helped the king rule, they helped the king reign, and they had access that other uh, priests did not at all. They got to be in and with the presence of the king, and uh, they had access that all of the other priests hoped that they would one day get, but they were set apart and different They were the ones that got to serve right next to the king. And what Peter is saying, he's saying, hey, not only are you a chosen race, but but you are a royal priesthood. You have that sort of access in your life. You get to enter into the presence of God himself. One of the things that we believe as a church is what's called the priesthood of the believer, which means you, you don't need a church or a priest to have direct access to God. That through Jesus Christ, you have direct access to the creator of the universe. And so the presence of God, we believe, dwells in this place. But we also believe it dwells in the lives of those who follow him. And so we come here and we celebrate and we sing and we proclaim how good our God is. But the presence of God isn't limited to this place. And you, as a follower of Jesus, you you can walk out of these doors and enter into the presence of God anytime you want through Jesus. You are royal priesthood. You have access to the king of kings now and then forever in heaven, like we talked about last week in that sermon. If you want to go back and listen, we podcast our sermons. But you get to be in the very presence. Think about it. Knee to knee, face to face, eye to eye with God himself. You'll rule with him. You'll reign with him. And I don't know what all of that means, but I'm in. Because I like it. And then look, look what else Peter says here at the last here. He says, you are then a people for his own possession. And, and I love the way Zephaniah, one of the Old Testament writers of scriptures, says this. He says, the Lord your God is with you. He is the mighty warrior who saves, and he will take great delight in you. And in his love, there will be no longer a rebuke for you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. That's how God is described. And in the Old Testament, God said to the nation of Israel, I was often like a hen that just wanted to gather you under my wings. You belong to me and I want to care for you and I want to protect you. And listen, I grew up, I grew up with a vision of God very different from that. I grew up with a vision of God of him standing on a cloud, shrouded in a cloak, lightning bolt in hand, just ready to light me up. Because I had a hard time being good. And I was told if you're good, God loves you. And if you're bad, God doesn't like you. And being good is hard. Amen. Come on, y'all some liars (laughs) up here all by myself. Being good is not, it's not easy. The Spirit's power gives us power over sin, but it's still hard, and we live in a broken world. But what these words are saying, the words of God to you, is not that, hey, when you're good, he loves you, when you're bad, he doesn't, is that he chose you before you were good or bad. 
And then you were born into sin, you were broken, but he saved you and rescued you. The Bible actually says, while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. And then he says, Jesus puts you in his hand. No one can take him out. And the Father holds Jesus while he holds you. So you don't earn it, nor can you lose it. Because you're a people for his own possession. And these are words that I want to weigh heavily on your heart as we move into 2020. Because these are words that shape your identity. These are words that shape your purpose and your calling. Because once I found out that those things were true, I wanted to run more and more and more after that God. And Peter doesn't leave us just with an identity. He, in fact, gives us a very specific call to action. He's going to give us a so what statement. So when you see the word so what, it's because of everything that's been said. Hey, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Then look what he says. So that, so that you may proclaim, declare, The praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. All of those things about our identity are true. These things are true about us because there are true things about God. So that the end result is that we would then declare, we would proclaim with our voices and with our lives how marvelous, how glorious is the one who called us from death to life, from darkness into light. And, and before we talk about some practical ways to do that, I just want us to agree together that the job that's being asked in this verse, the job is really just, hey, make much of what you love. Make much of what you love, which isn't really hard. If someone comes up to me and says, Wade, here's your job. I want you to talk about how much you love Kim. Make a big deal about Kim. It's my wife of over 20 years. I'm not going to go, what? You want me to do what? Why are you going to put that sort of crushing weight on me? Don't put that on me. Well, don't you love her? Yeah, I love her with my whole heart. Well, then make a big deal about her. Well, you know, I'd just rather not. What the verse is saying is that because these things are true about your new identity, because of who God is, you have a, you have a purpose so that You will proclaim how marvelous he is because he called you out of darkness into light. There's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of joy in that, knowing that your dream job, what God is calling you to do, is just to talk about what you already love. And you may say, hey, where do I start? Well, well, Peter tells us. He tells us right here, proclaim the praises of the one who what? Called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's talking about salvation, talking about a God who came to people who were dead in their sins and made them alive. God that came to people that didn't have hope and gave them hope and love and life. He says, declare that makes having gospel conversations that much easier. As a church, we talk about gospel conversations all the time. And a gospel conversation is just when you share the truth of Jesus Christ or the truth of scriptures with someone who's lost and searching gospel conversation, when you know that your job is just to talk about how great your God is in your life, it makes that whole conversation easy. It doesn't have to be shady or weird or Ned Flanders. It just can be a natural part of your life. Like you don't have to invite people over to your house for dinner and then write the plan of salvation on their dinner napkin so that when they sit down at the table and they're like, oh, okay, this is you. Here's God. You see, you know, you don't have to do that. 
Just talk about what's changed your life. Celebrate what Jesus has done. Celebrate what Jesus is doing. And so, hey, our declaration is not, hey, you're a sinner, stop sinning. Our our declaration is there's a loving God who wants to lavish his love on you. Regardless of your past, regardless of your background, regardless of who you are, there's a God who chose you. And he wants you to know him. Despite your sin, despite your suffering, despite your shame, despite everything, there's a God who would choose you. He will chase you, he will follow you, and he can redeem and save you. And guys, listen, it's pretty easy right now. Because we function and we operate in a world that, that, that has a misguided or disrupted worldview. Where they think if they just get more of what they already have, they'll finally find what they haven't yet. And the definition of insanity is to continue doing the same thing over and over again and hoping you'll have a different result. And it's so easy right now to proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness is into light because when you walk into a room and there's joy, you walk into a room and you have hope, you walk into a room and you have a purpose and a destiny that's different, people are drawn to that. And then you just get to declare, man, this is what Jesus is doing in my life. This is what God is doing in my life. You don't have all, to have all of the answers. You just need to know, man, there is one. There is one who saves. There's one who's rescued. You just need to know that. Because at the end of the day, we walk around and we know with our hearts and our minds that there's a better way. And we get the opportunity to show others there's a better way. Because everybody knows it, even in the quietness of our hearts when they can't sleep or when they rest and when they're at their desk or when they're commuting down 65 or 24 in the gridlock, like, there's a better way. And we know what it is. And it's not a promotion. It's not a new job. It's not a new house. It's not a new spouse. It's Jesus. Because he's the one who labeled us chosen race holy priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession. He's the one who gave us a new identity. And I know I'm speaking to a room full of people who had different identities given to you. Some of those identities were given to you by others. Some of those were given to you uh, by yourself through negative self-talk. Others were placed on you and you have spent your life trying to get out from underneath a label. It's been spoken over you. It's been said of you. But what God just said to you is you have a new label. You are no longer those things anymore. What you are is a chosen race. You're royalty. You're a priest. You're a child of God. And then our job is just to declare how great this is. And so listen, maybe you're a CFO. Maybe you're a CEO. Maybe you're a president of a company. Maybe you sell insurance, work at home. Maybe you're in education or healthcare. That may be what you do, but it's not who you are. Peter just told us who we are. God just said, this is who you are. So don't get those things confused. What you do isn't who you are, but who you are transcends what you do. So take the good news of Jesus anywhere and everywhere you go. This is who I am. This is my purpose. This is what's true. And then lastly, look how he wraps it up in verse 10. Look what he says. Once, and you were not a people. 
but now you are God's people. Once you had not received the mercy, but now you have received mercy. And if you write in your Bibles, I strongly encourage you to underline that verse where it says, have received mercy, because that's past tense. Which means it's already done. Which means you have nothing more to prove and nothing more to earn. And I didn't become a follower of Jesus till I was almost 20. I've been walking with Jesus now for 22 years. And the thing that I struggled with was that have received mercy. Because I knew my past and I knew my decisions and I knew where I had been and I knew what I had done. And I knew what I hadn't done. And it was really hard for me to believe that there was mercy that was already ready for me. A past tense mercy that was already done that was sufficient. I had the hardest time, just being honest, walking into that sort of grace. Walking into that sort of forgiveness. But it says you have, past tense, you have received mercy. And it's ongoing, always present, always there. Wade, you don't know the size of my sin. Yeah, you don't know how deep the ocean of God's grace is either. You have received mercy. That's what, that's what Peter is telling us. And so I want you, before we sing again in just a moment, I want you to reflect back on this identity. I want you to reflect back on what Peter is saying. Do, do you struggle with having this be your identity? Can, can you say these same things are true? I don't want you to believe them to be true because I'm saying them to you. I want you to believe them to be true because God's word says them about this. I teach um, football here in Nolensville, flag and, and full contact. I have for a while. One, I just love to be a part of the community, coach my son and coach others. And I tell the, the kids from day one, hey, you got to earn your spot. You got to earn that spot. You got to show up in practice and you got to be ready to go at the game. And you don't earn a spot in the game. You earn your spot in practice. And you know what? You keep your spot in practice because whoever's number two on the depth chart might beat you next week. So you earn your spot and then you got to keep your spot. Because what got you here won't keep you here. Your hard work keeps you here. But then people think the same thing is true about our walk with Jesus. You didn't earn your way here. You were chosen. You were selected. You were taken. And what got you here keeps you here because you didn't get yourself here. The cross of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb got you here. So what got you here, church, keeps you here. And it's God's grace. It's God's mercy. That once, man, we were not a people. But now we are a people. Once we had not received grace, but now we have received grace. And the words that need to label and identify your life moving into 2020 is what Peter said. And you're chosen. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a people for God's own possession. And I desperately want that true to be, I want that to be true for every person in the room. It's unlikely that everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus, but 
wish it were. And today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, you can, you can become one. Why else do you think God brought you here? So that you would know what's the most true about who you are. And man, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, man, you're among friends. Welcome home. And if you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray in a minute, but there's a card in front of you. And when we pray, man, pull that out. No one's going to shame you or embarrass you, but on that card, give us name, email, phone number. You can mark on there. I want to follow Jesus. And we're just going to celebrate and connect with you. We're not going to stop by your house and announce. We're not going to bring you up here on the platform. We're going to walk with you through the greatest decision you could ever make. And so we all have some decision to make today. And I've put a couple of guiding questions that could guide our prayer time before we sing. And we'll put these up here. Number one, how are you changed by Jesus? How are you being changed by Jesus? Because the reality is if you follow him, there is some change. I'm not perfect and I'm a a mess. There's still a tangled mess inside of me, but there is some change. And I don't want you to think about how far you have to go. I just want you to think about where God has taken you. Because if you do belong to him, celebrate what God is doing in your life and just, hey, how are you being changed? But if you can't answer that, then maybe that's an indication that you need to first be changed by him by saying, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I need new life. I need to be reborn. Maybe that's how you need to be changed today. Answer that question. Two, what truth do you need to embrace more today? Is it about your identity? Is it about mercy? What is it? What do you you need to embrace more of today? And then lastly, what lie do you need to ignore? Because the enemy would would definitely want to keep you from God's plan and God's destiny for your life. And he's full of lies. So what lie do you need to ignore? We're going to sing this song, Resurrecting King, in just a moment. But I want to invite you to pray with me. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Sometimes I like to just open my hands to heaven when I'm praying. It reminds me that, man, I'm not alone and that God sees me and knows me. Are you a follower of Jesus? If not, why not today? In this moment right now, you can say, dear God, I believe in Jesus and I know that I need him to save me from my sins. Would you save me in this moment right now? Make me your son or daughter. There's so much we want to talk to you about, so much we want to celebrate. Don't leave here without sharing that with someone. Get that card and the seat back in front of you. Fill it out. Drop it in the buckets on the way out. Let us, let us become friends and family with you. Others of you, before we sing and we declare that Jesus conquered the grave, Just reflect back on how you're being changed. What truth you need to grab onto. What lie you need to ignore. Lord, we're your people. Our hearts and lives are open to you. In Jesus' name, amen.